welcome to the Becoming Eva podcast, where we discuss real-life issues from a woman's perspective. Becoming Eva seeks to break the silence within the female community while fostering authenticity, transparency, and healing. We're your hosts, Latoya Moore and Maya Dawson. Let's get started. Yes, hello, BE community. Hope everyone is doing well. As you can see, we have another amazing guest with us this week. So we're going to dive on into that. Uh, But first and foremost, how y'all doing? How's your week going? I'm ready for Thanksgiving break. That's how my (laughs) week is going. (laughs) I am... I think I'm at the point where I'm just like exhausted from school, work, just like all the things. I'm almost the semester, the courses that I'm taking, I'm almost finished with all of my assignments. I'm just ready to kind of be like (laughs) done and like a mental break and unwind and relax and have fun. I love it. It's funny you said Thanksgiving, girl. I'm ready for Christmas break. I put in, I sent my polite out of office invite today like boom I'm be out that whole week they put it on your calendar make sure you know because I'm about to shut it down so yeah. I feel you I feel you tis the season yes. mm-hmm. how are you Linda how's your week going I'm doing well week's going well um just getting back into the rhythm of things we were out of town this past weekend so yeah it's been good Nothing much that's been very different. I mean, you said Thanksgiving. I was like, oh, right. <laughs> Thanksgiving is coming. You know, it's like time is moving so quickly. Yes. Oh, yeah. Really fast. We have less than, if you're watching this live, y'all, we have like about 50 days left for the end of the year. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. We are, time is moving, moving very fast. So, huh. but, yes. uh, Technically, I won't say technically, but again, if you're watching this live, we are recording this during the month of November, which is actually National Gratitude Month. Okay, Mm -hmm. so, of course, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I love the fact that the entire month has been dedicated to gratitude. So we're definitely going to be unpacking that today. Okay. Um, before we do, though, I'm going to read Linda's bio and then we're going to talk what's trending real quick. Okay, so. Linda Carpenter currently works as a licensed professional counselor in private practice located in Sandy Springs, Georgia. She holds a Master of Arts in Clinical Mental Health Counseling from Richmond Graduate University. Prior to starting her private practice, Linda worked as an outpatient therapist at Peachford Hospital, where she worked with both adolescents and adults. Linda has a heart for accompanying individuals on their journey as they navigate life's challenges. Her hope is to always create a safe and non-judgmental space that allows people to peel back the layers to uncover their best selves as they embark on the process toward lasting change. Wow, that's a powerful last sentence. I was like, let me take my time on that one. So. Thank you for joining us today, Linda. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So y'all, as as I mentioned, we're definitely going to be diving into gratitude and and really 
talking about the gift of gratitude, but really what does it look like to uncover that gift? What does it look like, look like to mm-hmm. cultivate that? Okay. But first, you know, we got to talk <laughs> what's trending. Okay. So I would say the first thing I want to talk about, I don't know, you may or may not be familiar with actor, actress. Well, I think they go actor now, actor, comedian, uh, Yvonne Orji. She's actually from Nigeria. And uh, she is a professed Christian, a follower of Christ. And she actually recently did an interview. And this is not new news per se, um, but I know in previous interviews, um, she actually shared that she was a virgin, that she was saving herself for marriage. And I think the first time I heard her share this had to have been about six or seven years ago. And so um, she has not yet married. She's still waiting on her Boaz. Okay. And she was in a recent interview um, now, seven years later. And the interview we asked her, are you still, or interviewer asked her, are you still um, uh, a sing- uh, abstinent? Are you still a virgin? And she said, yes. At 39 years old, I'm still a virgin. And it was funny because the um, interviewer was like, oh, I need to pray for you. And she was like, y'all need to pray for my husband because it's a lot of pent up, uh, uh, you know, aggression in here. So my question is this, uh, in this day and age, of course, we know what God's word says, but we also know the world that we're living in. And we also know just practically and biologically, it becomes challenging as you grow older and you know hormones, and your you hit your peak sex drive um, at a certain age. It becomes challenging to maintain God's standard. So my question to you both is: What advice would you give a thirty-nine-year-old virgin? We'll let Linda go first. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what I would say. Well, I mean, I I think it's great that she. She's not trying to hide that and that she is committed to that. Um, but I would say, you know, make sure you have community. And when I mean community of people yeah. who are doing the same thing or have done the same thing. Yes. You know, people around you, at least one, even if it's not community, mm-hmm. at least one or two women that are around you that get it. And that That's understand great. they did it. They're trying to do it. Um, and so I think that's really important just for support. You're not feeling like you're by yourself, but also accountability if this is, you know, this is what you want to do. So I think, I think that's, that would be really important. That would be my advice. Very true. Community is key. Yes, I definitely think community is important, um, for sure. When you, I think it's important in this whole journey called life um yeah. <laughs> no matter what yes. stage um you're in and whatever choices you're trying to choose like you need community um you need people to help you um be accountable for your choices and your decisions i think it's a um, really remarkable thing that she's doing um i'm not sure if i would broadcast it if <laughs> If I was 39 and a, a 39 year old old virgin, I probably wouldn't want like that attention for me. Uh, but I'm sure there's there's older people that may be virgins and stuff like that. I don't know if I would um, want to broadcast it out there, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and honestly, though, I would say in this interview in particular, she didn't bring it up. You know, I think it was mentioned maybe in a previous interview that was like years ago. 
But literally for the interviewer to ask her, which to me was a personal question to begin with, are you still a virgin? And then taking a step further. And how are you? How old are you now? Are you 39? Like, I mean, at that point, she was like, we out here now. We, we out here. Let me just say what it is. So, but yeah, I, I, um, I mean, I would definitely say community is key you know, having people around you that are like-minded that have, that maintain the same standards as you, uh, because you're going to need that, especially in the world that we live in today, where it's just, it's super common to, you know, what they call it, to, you know, take, test the milk or buy the milk before you, you know, get the cow. I don't know what the, what the terminology was. Test drive the car before you buy it. I don't know. Wait, drink the, drink the free milk. There you, the the you there you go. Purchasing the cow. There you go. Thank you, Toya. I was like, it's something about a cow, a milk. I don't know. But I mean, it's super common today. It's super common to live together, you know, all of that, um, you know, traveling, all of that. And I, I like I said, I, I have no, I, my journey, I know how hard it was for me just traveling with my boyfriend, fiance at the time, now husband. And I'm like, I look. We we we're gonna have to make a decision or something because it gets challenging when you are in close quarters with someone that you you know have emotional feelings for that you are becoming attached to and you're attracted to. So I'm just gonna say kudos to her, like for real, for maintaining it this long, like and prayer, like prayer for her, prayer for her, for her soon-to-be husband or future husband, because it, it's a lot. It's a lot. But I, I am very impressed with her stance thus far. And I just, you know, pray that God continues to keep her because yeah. it can be very challenging. Yeah. So boundaries. Was, was she the actress? Is good. Yes. Oh, go ahead. Was she the actress in uh, Insecure? Yes. And actually, I'm glad you bring that up. Oh, wow. She plays. She's not the main character. The main character is Issa Rae. She plays her best friend. Um, Molly and I, I ain't gonna lie, I'm I'm a huge Insecure fan. Like I love the series when it was on Netflix. I rewatched the series. It's a raunchy series. I'm just gonna tell y'all up front. Don't don't go watch it like because of me. Don't <laughs> don't go watch it at all. But it's a but I love the series. So I'm just gonna say that. But that literally would be a question that I would have for her, Latoya, because they have graphic sex scenes on that show. And I, she played some pretty yeah graphic she did. she did and so my question is like how do you because I, I used to always joke and be like man if i was in a love scene with somebody i'd be trying to slide on my number afterward like so you gonna call me like <laughs> we just had a moment here like you know but and actors actors say those moments are awkward just when they're being shot but still like yeah they're intimate to me, at least. Yeah, I actually read something about her talking about that because she had never engaged in that way. And so someone had to actually tell her how to respond and what to do <laughs> in some of those uh, sexy moments. But she didn't really speak to that part that you just said, Maya. So yeah, wow. Yeah. I would she love that part. Good. <laughs> I would love to ask her. Look, Yvonne. Look. We, we want to talk to you about that for real. How do you navigate that as a virgin, now a 39-year-old virgin? Like, what in the world? So, yeah, but that yeah. was too hard. Yeah. Very, very. 
So, yes, but good question. Good question, Toya. So, all right. So, Yvonne, you know where to find us. We love to continue the conversation. All right. On to the next. So, um, Willie Moore Jr., radio personality for 102.5. He actually just recently started a podcast slash talk show called Love You More. And he's had some excellent guests on there. I've only seen a few episodes, but um, one of his more more recent episodes had Candy Burris, Real Housewife of Atlanta, former member of Escape. Um, he interviewed her and I was like, okay, that'll be an interesting conversation. But when I tell y'all, like she was dropping some gems. I was like, okay, Candy from Escape. Okay, Candy, all right. Like literally, and, and I keep saying in this day and age because I feel like we've had, and we've had so many conversations about this, Toya, over the past, this season, pretty much about women, you know, wanting to, uh, you know, wanting to marry or be courted by someone that either makes a certain amount of money, they want to be taken a certain place on their first date, the guy has to have a certain type of job, the guy has to have a certain type of car, like, this list of expectations that single women have these days can be, I'm just going to say interesting for now, because I, to a certain extent, I get it and I understand it, but I am always trying to make sure that, you know, that we don't get caught up in that where that's not the cake as much as it's the icing. You know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, wanting to make sure that whoever you decide to do life with, that they have character, that they are Christ-like, that they're a follower of Jesus Christ, that, you know, they have integrity, that they are consistent, that they can love you unconditionally, um, love you as Christ loves the church. Like, that's the cake right there. But I think in this day and age, like, we're making the cake other things. And so she did a great job of just kind of talking about her personal situation with her and her husband. I forget how many years they have been married, but... Um, she basically just said that when she and her husband first got together, her mother had a problem with them because with them dating or being together because she made more money than him. And so the whole conversation again of, you know, do you marry for money? What does it mean for a husband to be able to take care of his wife? Does he have to make more money than her in order for that to be the case? And she just broke that thing down. She was like, no, she was like, I didn't, I didn't marry him for my, for his money. I could easily have and have dated and been with other men that have money. And at the end of the day, it was about them, you know, um, being pulled in other directions. You know, I was more concerned about their loyalty and commitment to me than about how much money they made. So she was like, I've been there. I've done that. I married Todd because of what we could accomplish together, i.e. purpose, which I'm like, that's huge because I don't think a lot of people think about marrying for purpose today. And they are, they're incredible business partners, just the, all the ventures that they've done together. Um, they actually are in the process now of, um, I think launching the Wiz production on Broadway. And so just being able to work with her husband, she was talking about has been a gift and how um, he's not a slouch. Like he definitely has a job. He He's a producer, I believe in film and television, but she was like, at the end of the day, I just make more money than him. And that's not an issue for me. So my question to you two is what would you say to those women who are like, okay, my man needs to make more money than me. And that's just the bottom line. Like, do you agree? Do you disagree? Safe space. I would tell them they definitely need to reevaluate their their values um, for sure. Because at the end of the day, your money can run out. 
um, that should not be top choice of who you're going to date based on their income or their um, how many dollars they have in their bank account. Like money can come and money can go. You definitely need to look a little bit deeper inside um, to see, you know, what you're bringing to the table too. And um, the, the qualities that are going to last in the long run, like the character of the man and like when you get sick, who's going to pray for you? It's not about the money. It's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with both of you all. It's not about the money. And it's um, I think you limit who you can consider or who could be the person that would be a good mate for you when you do something like that. I mean, when that's one of your qualifications. So yeah, I definitely agree with both of you all. And I think that that even brings a mindset of that's yours and this is mine. When in marriage, well, you know, I guess it depends on people's belief system, but if you're you're marrying, it's a covenant between you, that person and God to become one. Yeah. You know, and and if you're looking at things that are, you know, that, you know, character, integrity, you know, work ethic, all these things that are just good qualities. Um, you know, I think that um, those things, like you all were both saying, are just more important to making a partnership and to making a marriage. So. Now, I do have to ask because the, you know, the, the word of God talks about husbands providing for their wives, of course, mm-hmm. being leaders of their household um, and just taking care of their families. So what do you think that looks like or how would you define that, especially in a scenario where the woman particularly or wife particularly makes more money than the husband? Well, I mean... That situation is like <laughs> my reality um, as far as I make more money, but Ryan is still the head of the household. He has a final say when we have to come together to make a decision. Um, and I treat him as as the head of the household, like um, because that's biblical, no matter if I make more money than he does. Um, now we collaborate when there's problems, we collaborate to kind of figure out solutions. Sometimes he's made more money than me. Um, I, I just think like, I didn't really have that modeled for me. It was something that I had to kind of learn, um, through biblical reading and through other (laughs) role models that I saw, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. Um, I think it's kind of unhealthy when women try to be the heads of the household. Yeah. Stressful. Very stressful. uh, Because, yeah, it's stressful and um, just, yeah. I'll just leave it as stressful. Go ahead, Linda. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, I really didn't have anything to add to that. I think that was a really important distinction, you know, that the husband is still the head of the household. You mm-hmm. know, um, that that position doesn't change based on what he makes or doesn't make. And so, yeah. Yeah. And really good. Mm-hmm. Providing 
for me has never been just about money. There's definitely a financial component to that where you are contributing and you are caring for your family to ensure their needs are met. Absolutely. But providing for me is more, it's just like what you said a few minutes ago, Latoya, you need somebody that's going to cover you in prayer. You need someone that's going to speak into your life. Like all of that to me is provision as well, because literally they're, they're basically covering you and mm. in, in, in allowing you and equipping you and in, in, in supporting you in a way where you can go out and do and be what God has called you to be. But there, there's a covering that God has designed men to bring to their household that far supersedes financial stability. I mean, that is a part of it, I believe. But at the same time, wisdom even in how to steward the finances that are in your household it is a part of provision because you can make all the money in the world, but if you don't effectively know how to invest it and spend it and use it and maximize it and steward it, then, okay, you're in the same boat as the person that's, you know, on the corner somewhere. So right. provision to me is, is, is far greater than money. So, but yeah, I, I feel like this is an ongoing conversation that continues to surface, you know, and I feel like, we're obligated, honestly, to continue talking about it because I don't want single women to be sold a bad bill of goods where basically you've got married women. They already have their Boaz. They already have their, their children, their spouse or whatever, their careers talking about what well, you need to do this. And I'm a boss here and I'm a boss there. And I'm like, OK. Is this helping these single women actually get a man of God? Or are you just showing them how to be independent women that can potentially be pushing away prospective husbands? So I just, yeah, I want to make sure that we continue to speak truth and to share biblical principles as it relates to this. So, but yes, that concludes what's trending. So I'm going to turn it on over to my partner in crime. All right. So Linda, mm -hmm. if you can share with the Becoming Eva audience, just a little bit about you and your family and how you grew up. Okay. Um, so I, well, I'll start with growing up. So I grew up in Chicago. Um, so I'm a city girl. Um, grew up, um, parents were together. Um, you're talking about this subject. Actually, my, my dad, he was a teacher and a coach. And my mother, she actually was a stay-at-home mom until I was maybe 16 years old. And... Um, so, you know, pretty, you know, it looked like <laughs> from the outside in, you know, pretty um, typical uh, environment. I had two brothers, I'm in the middle. Um, so grew up there, spent most of my life there in Chicago um, and um, went to school for, I actually went to college for finance and then I have an MBA. So I have, I have this kind of uh, non-linear um, route to where I've ended up. Uh, so, but right now I'm obviously I'm in in Georgia and I have two kids. Um, they're both college students. One is a sophomore, one is a senior. Um, and so I am a newly empty nester. So it's a little bit about. <laughs> what did you say? Congratulations. Oh, yeah. You know what? Parenting doesn't end though. Mm -hmm. It just changes. <laughs> Wow. It's just so I've heard. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still it's still not like uh a walk in the park just yet. So 
Can you share a little bit with how you started developing your relationship with God, like your personal relationship? Sure. Um, well, I like I don't remember not going to church. <laughs> so I started off just, you know, that was part of my life. But I accepted, you know, like I accepted Christ at probably about 11 or 12 years old. Um, I remember thinking um, I need to make a decision and um, I believe in God. And I did believe that Christ died on the cross for me. And so I believed that. And so I made that. And back then, well, even now, maybe it was joining the church. So I've never been joining the church. But that's not really where relationships started for me because I joined the church and I made that decision that I believed it. But um, I didn't, I don't think I knew what relationship was. So as a 12 year old, probably probably to early 20s, I don't think I really had a good grasp of what that was. You know, I kind of was rejoined it. And then I just went back to doing all the stuff I was doing anyway, you know, <laughs> I went to church on Sunday, I went to school. And so um, that wasn't really, maybe it was happening in a really, really slow way, but it wasn't intentional. I didn't know how to do it. Um, I just thought I was supposed to be good. Um, and so uh, probably led me down some roads that may not have been too productive. Um, <laughs> but um, 23, something happened. I was in a situation I had to trust God. I knew to call on God, I knew to pray to God. And he showed up. You know, I was in a country, I was in another country by myself and for months and I was in a situation and I needed God and he showed up and it, that really turned things around for me. So I would say relationship really started probably early 20s, like 23 when I was in that situation. And then from there, I started to really uh, develop relationship. Wow. So you kind of walked us through how your relationship with God evolved over the years. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your, how you, um, how your passion developed over time? Um, So, um, and you mean passion, you mean like what I'm doing right now? Yeah, how did you discover that, that that was your passion? Yeah, that was that was interesting. I was trying not to make it too long, but um, I, yeah, I didn't really know. I started off in business and I was in HR and doing all these things. And, and it, I just always felt like I was a square peg in a round pole, hole. Like it just, I just never really felt like I fit in the things that I was trying to do. And so I tried all these different things even before that point and just didn't feel right. Um, and I remember talking to God about it and I felt like he said, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe it was my own brain, but, you know, I have something better for you. Right. But it didn't come right away. Like this was I was in my early 30s when that happened and I ended up staying home with my kids and just kind of even during that time, taking the time to, to pray about it and think about it. And then um, actually, when I moved here, I started to have ideas of what I might want to do. I was thinking social work, psychology, ministry, like, what is it? What is it? And I couldn't really, I still didn't hear God say go. And then uh, <clears throat> I, I actually ran across a book that was really helpful. So it's, uh, it was in a thrift store and it's called Cure for the Common Life by Max Lucado. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And so that was that was really helpful because you do an inventory in this book about all the things you can remember when you were in your sweet spot. Mm. So from the time you were five or your earliest memory to present, when were you in your sweet spot? What were you doing? Mm. And so you do this inventory. So anyway, that kind of helped a little bit. And uh, and then um, I, I joined a church here. We had to meet with the pastor to find our ministry. And he started telling me about um, a school that his wife went to for Christian counseling. And so um, after that meeting, I went, I looked it up. When I looked it up on the website, it was just like, I don't know if you ever had that moment where you're like, <laughs> like yes. this is it. It was like, it was a faith-based counseling program. So it wasn't even just counseling. It was like, mm -hmm. I need to go to this school. Yes. The info session was like within the next week. I went. I was like, this is unreal. You know, dean of counseling, did praise and worship. You know, <laughs> like it was just a, a interesting. So I just felt like, okay, I need to. And so that was kind of it. And just kind of following the yellow brick road a little bit, you know. And so, and then so I did that. I love school. I love that program. I love that they, it was faith-based, um, you know, and so, and then I also enjoyed the counseling part. So yeah, that was kind of it. It was just like piece by piece, mm -hmm. little by little, and um, here I am. Now, what made you choose to start your own practice? So, which is interesting because I never wanted to do that. <laughs> That's not what I went to school. That's not what I thought I was going to do. Mm -hmm. But I was in the hospital environment. It was really, it was a little stressful, um, a little, not quite. Um, yeah, it just, I did it because it was really, really good experience. It was really good to learn there and learn from those therapists and have a community of therapists in the hospital and psychiatric nurses and psychiatric you know, and then a psychiatrist and then just uh, it was a team, you know, but it 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 wasn't I didn't really enjoy the group. Everything's group work. It wasn't any one on one. And I really wanted to do more one on one work. I want to work with women. And, and so, um, yeah, I just wanted to that wasn't a, a long term uh, option for me based on how I was feeling in that in that environment. So when you discovered your passion and started developing it, how long like, how long did it take for you to actually really start practicing from like the time that you said uh, you went to the um, you said it was a website? Yeah, yeah. Someone told me about the school. So I went to their website. So how long was it from the time that you saw it on the website? until the time that you started practicing. Yeah. So saw it on the website. I start that was in the summer. I that was and I started that fall the program. Oh wow. That was yes. quick. Yeah, it was quick. It was just like bam. <laughs> and uh, I got my letters, like the letters were good, you know, and so I started that fall. It's a three year program. So from that time, three years to graduate and then you have to get licensed. Um, that takes probably three to five years based on how much you work. 
four years. So it's about a six year process. You can work while you have just an associate license, which you can get out of school. You've taken the test, you've done all the coursework and all of that. You can get an associate license to test for that. Um, but the full licensure, so between that and school, it was six years. But I started school pretty much within a couple of months, three months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You knew, you knew, because yeah, that's a commitment, but you knew. And and like you said, when, when you went to the website, something in you just kind of jumped and said, this is it. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It was a good combo of what I was looking for. Yes, I love it. Now you talked about your practice specifically or wanting to focus more so on women in particular, but can you talk specifically about how you um, now use uh, what you're passionate about through your practice to support those that are around you? Um, well, depends on what you mean those around me, but you know, I do, I do want to, you know, do more ministry related things but it was interesting this past couple of weeks i was thinking i was like did i go to school so that i could be a better daughter a better mother a better sister a better wife because it did have an impact on just who i was and what i bring to those situations i don't counsel those people but i'm a different person because mm -hmm. that process that i went through because mm -hmm. um, being in a counseling program helps you to be a counselor but it it also causes you, you all, they also kind of push you to go inward a little bit. You have to dig, you have to assess your family and assess what, what's going on with you. And yeah, yeah, it's like, you kind of got to look at your stuff too. Yeah. You start helping other people, you know, so it's a lot of that that happens, you know, learning to listen, learning to just be completely present with someone mm -hmm. in a space. You know, so that has helped me just in relationships outside of work. Yeah. So when it comes to your clientele, like your sweet spot of clientele, like what do you most enjoy helping them with or support? How do you most enjoy supporting them, I should say? So, you know, I, I have on my website women, but I, I, I see anyone if I think I can help them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I do have some in clients or I have. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I think you asked me about my sweet spot. Yeah, like your, your sweet yeah. spot of, of, of specialty as far as what yeah. you love helping with right. or you know, providing yeah. expertise. So I do love working with uh, women. I have mm -hmm. a lot of women of color that I work with. Amen. Um, I love working with, um, so I work a lot with depression, anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, so just kind of the mood, some of the mood disorders. Um, also relationship issues even though i don't concerns and issues i don't work with couples but i work with the person that comes in and just how you know communicating and and just um just kind of relating better to the people in their lives and so i enjoy that as well um <clears throat> so also like life transitions when people are kind of shifting from one thing to another maybe there's a lack of community or they're feeling really isolated um, so just like I really do like coming aside, coming alongside women to help them with the things that they're struggling with, you know, stress. And, you know, so I find myself dealing a lot with, like I said, the relationship issues, even though I'm dealing with an individual. So boundaries and codependency and 
and just um, that's kind of been a big part of a, what a lot of people come in and talk to me about. Wow. Do you find yourself kind of diagnosing or analyzing <laughs> like your friends or like family members now that you like have this knowledge? Do you find yourself being like, oh, struggling with depression? <laughs> You don't know it, or you know yeah. what I mean. Like, do you? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's fun. Yeah, it's funny because people think I do that, and I really don't. Like, <laughs> I'm like, that's it's just too much work. I'm not really trying to figure you out. The only time I might do that is the same time, the same way you might do it. Like, you see somebody at the store, mm -hmm. and you're like, mm -hmm. something's going on with them. You know, I might have more of insight, like what I think is really going on. Um, but I don't really look at my friends like that, and you know, I'm. I don't even sit with them with the counseling hat. I've been knew me way before I did that. So I don't, I don't do that. Um, you know, I do find that some people will call me that friends and like, you know, XYZ is going on. And it's hard for me to shift into that with them because I'm, I'm in friend mode. So it's, it's like a different, a different mode for me, uh, whether I'm in friend mode or, you know, counselor mode. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't really, I don't really uh, do that too much. Um, yeah. That's probably healthy, honestly, because like you just talked about boundaries and how you probably you yourself have to set boundaries where you like that's too much work. I'm all look. I'm trying to <laughs> trying to have fun. I'm trying to spend time with so and so. Like I'm not trying to diagnose. So mm -hmm. that's that's good. Or even like you know, I have a, a good friend who's an attorney. And she was like, people are always trying to get free advice from her, free legal advice, and I'm like. You know, and I, I get it. We all have situations, but having to remind ourselves that, you know, at the end of the day, that's someone's work, that's their profession. And so it really requires them to to kind of flip a switch or, or, or be in a different frame of mind that they may not want to be in when they're with their friends and family. So, yeah. Yeah. And I just can't, you know, I can't, I wouldn't ask my mother or my daughter the same type of questions. I would, it's just a different Mm. Yeah, it's just a different mode of operating. You know, I have a relationship with you already. So, yeah, I know too much. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's, it's a little, it's tricky. Wow. Good stuff. Well, I know we may have some people in the BE community that are like, hey, is she taking clients? We're going to get your contact information at the <laughs> end. So anybody that wants to reach out. But uh, but yes, let's let's trans on, transition on into talking about the gift of gratitude and actually unwrapping it. You know, again, I mentioned earlier that November is the um, month of national uh, gratitude. Is it national mm -hmm. gratitude appreciation? But National Gratitude Month, I'll say that. And so uh, really want to really look at what that entails, because I always use the phrase that gratitude is a game changer. And we talk about when you think of gratitude, it can be deemed as something super simple or something that we easily overlook. But um, at the same time, I think it's a, a tool that God has given us that we don't always activate as often as we should. So let me start. I'm just going to go base base level with you and ask, how do you define gratitude? Yeah. So I define it as really just a, um, a deep appreciation for something you've received or a person, but just kind of that deep appreciation that kind of 
that has that lingers a little bit longer than you know maybe thankfulness. Um, mm. Yeah, that's good. I didn't I didn't catch the delineation between gratitude and thankfulness, but there is. So I love that. Okay, yeah. and so that's the definition. Why do you think it's important for us to cultivate a life of gratitude? So I think that it really, it has an impact on our well-being, you know, mm -hmm. our health, our, our mental health, our physical health, our relationships, our ability to be resilient. And so I think it just overall has a positive impact on how we exist and move in the world, you know, with people. And so, you know, it can have an impact on, you know, you know, depression and uh, our immune system and mm. ability to sleep well. Um, and so maybe not, okay, I did it this week and now it's better, but, you know, over time yeah. it can have this kind of impact and it, it helps you to learn how to, you know, scan your environment, you know, and survey your environment for the positive, you know. I love that. Yeah. Is Ooh. there a particular time um, of year or what do you, or when do you think is most important to exercise gratitude in our lives? Um, honestly, I think all the time. And that doesn't mean necessarily every day. You know, I think that if we have some type of consistency with it, you know, and, you know, whether it's once a week that we're intentional about it, but I think what fits in with your life. So, you know, if you decide you're going to do it three weeks, I mean, not three weeks, th three days a week, you know, maybe stick with that once a week. That seems like good. Stick with that. I think that if we implement it intentionally into our lives throughout the year, I think it can benefit us. Um, I think that, um, you know, it just, you know, I was thinking about, you know, scripture and I was thinking about, uh, you know, Paul and just um, his ability to be content, whether he had a lot or a little. Mm. You know? Amen. And so I think it can help us to to be in that space. You know, that's good. I'm just still honestly like wrapping my brain around the fact that you said gratitude can impact our sleep our immune system, <laughs> like mm. our mental state of mind. Like I, I kind of go as far as to say our mental state of or our, our state of mind. But when you start talking about like the physical components of how it impacts us physically as well, like that is amazing. That is am amazing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times I think the way we think about it, we think about we separate our body from, but it's all our body. Mm. Right? It's like the control system. This is like the control center, you know. So it's all our body and how how we think about things does have an impact on how we live our lives and and just you know we can. I also think about the scripture of renewing our minds, right? And that's kind of what it is in a sense. I mean, it's it's a small part, but thinking about things differently, you know, um, it. it it has an impact on, you know, how, you know, on our bodies, mm. you know, what and what we hold, because like things like trauma and, you know, negative anger and all that, uh, those things we hold in our body. Mm. And so, 
the other thing we can hold in our body too. That's good. That's really good. Well, y'all, I really want this time to be um, engaging and practical and applicable. That's the word I was thinking of and interactive. So if you're listening and, you know, if you're driving, you know, that's fine. You can pause it or come back to this. But if you are listening and you are in a position where you can grab your journal or you can grab your phone, something where you can capture information, Linda is actually going to lead us through a couple of exercises on how we can implement gratitude in our lives on a more consistent basis. Because, you know, I don't want you to walk away thinking, okay, I need to be more grateful. Well, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. Like, you know, what does that really look like for you to actually um, consistently practice gratitude in your day-to-day lives? So Linda, if you could just, yeah, take us through. I'm excited. (laughs) Okay. So I have, so one thing I have, um, we're going to do is, um, it's a gratitude reflection. And so we're going to do that. And then we're also going to do, there's some writing. So a lot of times, you know, with, I think with, um, gratitude, it is important to articulate those things that we feel grateful for, not just think it, you know, we want to think it, but if we think it and then write it or think it, and then, you know, speak it, I think it has a, a greater impact. But anyway, so the first thing is this gratitude reflection. Um, so this is kind of, kind of part of just kind of a meditation um, and a sense of that kind of contributes to a sense of self-awareness. Um, so, you know, I just need you all to settle yourself in a comfortable position. Okay, we're going to take, take a few deep calming breaths. Exhale. Take another deep breath. Just relax and center yourself. Let your awareness move to your immediate environment. All the things you can smell, taste, touch, see, and hear. Just say to yourself, for this, I am grateful. Next, bring your mind, bring to mind those people in your life to whom you are close, your friends, your family, your spouse, partner. Bring those to mind and to yourself say, for this, I am grateful. For this, I am grateful. Next, turn your attention onto yourself. You're a unique individual, blessed with imagination, the ability to communicate, to learn from the past and plan for the future, and to overcome any pain you might be experiencing. Say to yourself, for this I am grateful. For this, I am grateful. Finally, 
rest in the realization that life is a precious gift, that you have been born into a period of immense prosperity, that you have the gift of health, culture, and well-being. And say to yourself, for this, I am grateful. For this, I am grateful. Take another deep breath. Exhale. And slowly come back and open your eyes. Okay. So that was the end of that. So that's that's just a meditation, something you can do to just really bring it. You know, the thing is, I think we move so fast that sometimes we don't even take the time to sit with ourselves. And and the thing about different practices, everything may not be the thing that like someone might do that and be like, yeah. <laughs> and that's okay, right? That's okay. You find the things that are that are good for you, but it's important that whatever you do, you at least try to practice it. You know, it's like, you know, saying we want to run a marathon, but we never go out for a run, you know, so you have to practice whatever it is you want to change. Um, so the other thing I have, you know, of course you, you can get a journal and there's often, you know, you can, you know, write down the things that you're grateful for. Um, the one thing I want to say about journaling, because what we're going to do, I have some specific questions, but what I want to say about journaling, you know, everybody doesn't like writing. So you can write or you can like voice record, whatever, you know, you feel is best for you. But the thing I think is important is being specific. You know, I think sometimes, you know, I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for my, you know, my family. I'm great, you know, but being specific, I think is really helpful. So, you know, I'm grateful for my mother because she came and helped me with the kids. And that really um, was a blessing for me. So being specific about what you feel grateful for and not just running through the list um, can, is is really helpful. Um, so the next thing uh, we're we're going to kind of go through just different categories. So this one is just thinking about different areas of your life and what you might be grateful. So we're going to just do one thing in each category. Um, so and like I said, helpful. I don't know if we have the time to be specific. So the first thing is people. Is there a person that I feel grateful for? Um, and if you have an example of something specific, you can write that down. Um, a second thing would be um, my good qualities. Is there one thing that you can think of that you're grateful for? What is one of your good qualities?
And I'll do one more because I know we have time, but um, the best part of my day. It can be big, it can be small. So Latoya, was that was it easy coming up with with your um, your thoughts for each of those? Or um, I I thought so. Okay, okay, good. Maya, I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, for the specific um, the list that we just did, that was fairly easy. Um, when we were for the first exercise, though, when we were envisioning, like I was trying to be specific about envisioning certain people. And I was like, wow, God, like, I mean, you've, you've blessed me with a lot of um, people, but at the same time, I think actually envision, envisioning them kind of um, required a level of vulnerability from, from me that I wasn't necessarily prepared for it or expecting in that moment where I was like, ooh, I have to admit that I'm grateful for this person. Like, if, yeah. if that makes sense, I don't know if that sounds, it probably, well, it is pride, Lord help me. But it just, <laughs> felt, it just, in that moment, I was like, oh Lord, like this is a level of vulnerability or humility even that I was not anticipating in that moment. So hmm. yeah, that's what came to the surface for me though. Okay, so that's interesting that those people will pop up for you that you felt like, do I really have, okay. No, no, it's interesting that they would still they would still be the ones to pop up in your your mind. Mm -hmm. so. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, do you all already each of you already have a practice or something that you do? Um, I would say for me, I I do do a lot of journaling, and in my time with God, I kind of counteract moments or times in my life when I'm either questioning God or even feeling like I'm experiencing lack it's in those moments that I try to exercise gratitude the most um, by literally writing down everything that I'm grateful for and thanking God in that way. Um, so that that's probably what I do consistently. But just that that quieting yourself, that breathing in and out, like I try to incorporate that throughout my day because it just mm -hmm settles me and just like what you were saying initially you know um the fact that you can see can smell can taste can feel you know that you are able to in in engage with this world that we live in is a gift and so that i do on a consistent basis just because it grounds me but in my personal time of god i do write a lot of um what i'm thankful for mm -hmm. okay I do not have a consistent practice. Okay. Oops. No. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Gratitude is calling, y'all. Gratitude is calling. No. <laughs> but these are these are great exercises, I think, for anyone to, like you said, at least try 
and see if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But at least you can say you tried it. And, you know, if you do like it and say, hey, I benefited from that. This is something that you can try to incorporate in your life on a consistent basis. So I yeah. think that's awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, let me ask any tips that you can give to someone that is trying to be more intentional about exercising gratitude regularly in their lives on a consistent basis. Yeah. I mean, I would say, um, I was, I was, like I said, everybody doesn't like to write, but I would say, first of all, get a journal, get somewhere that you can, you know, write into, you know, you can write it down. Um, maybe start off with one day, you know, start off with one day, um, and maybe one thing, you know, so I think in order to start a habit, sometimes don't throw it in like, okay, I got to come up with 10 things every day for the rest of the month. No, let's start small. One day, maybe one day a week, I spend 10 minutes on this. And, you know, that, I think of one thing and be, but be specific and try to try to at least be consistent with that one day and be specific about that. I think take a walk, you know, I mean, you can do things without walk, without writing. So take a walk and without music and podcasts and all of that. I know this is a podcast, but still, you know, just, just being able to be quiet and just observe the, you know, nature and the things that are around you, you know, just kind of a moment to slow down a little bit. Um, and then sometimes you can think about, sometimes we think about, okay, the things that are, you know, the great things that are happening, but sometimes it's thinking back and saying, I'm glad that didn't happen. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm glad that that was prevented, you know, and so sometimes those are things we can reflect on as well. Um, so, and, you know, and if you, if you're a Christian, you know, reading your Bible, you know, that reminds us, I think so much of um, things we can be grateful for. Um, so, I think that's a, I, I found also, I found an Instagram that was called gratefulness.me. And that was, I thought that was really good. Okay. Cool. And I felt like, Toya, we have not done this in a while, but I felt a BE challenge coming on as she was talking. <laughs> I was like, whoo, I think this is a great time for a BE challenge where you would challenge the BE community to incorporate one of these grateful um, gratitude exercises in your life at least once a week for just for the month of November, or if you're listening to this at a different time during a pick a month and try to incorporate it one, at least once a week and, you know, go from there. But I think that would be a great BE challenge for this. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Also you can write a, you can write a little note or a letter to someone that you appreciate. Oh, I love that one too. Yeah. Uh, that would be a gratitude exercise. That's a good one. The person that, that we wrote for um, the second exercise, that might be a good, great place to start. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good yeah. stuff. I love it. All right. Well, shall we go into top picks? Yes. So, Linda, do you have any, <clears throat> any books or podcasts that you would recommend as it relates to cultivating gratitude or personal wellness in general? So um, the one I mentioned, the gratefulness.me was that was um, like kind of specific to gratitude. Okay. Some other pod, some other those that was Instagram. Some other Instagrams that I follow: um, uh, Dr. Anita Phillips, 
Uh, that's more wellness and mental health um, cross-section of that and faith. Um, Nedra Glover Tawab, mm-hmm. um, Dr. Rita Walker. So these aren't specifically gratitude, but it's mm-hmm. wellness. Um, Gifts of Imperfection, Brene Brown is a good book. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, those are, and those are pretty much kind of what I watch and listen to. And Can you share, too, the name of the book that you referenced earlier? Um, you found oh, it on Cure, Cure for the Common Life by Max Lucado. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was definitely interested in that one when she said it. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. And into it. <laughs> yes. And can you share how um, other people can connect with you mm-hmm. um, if they're watching this? Sure. Um, so um, I would say the best thing is through my website. So my website is lindamcarpenter.com. And you, there's you know, my phone numbers on there, my email is on there. Um, email is Linda at Linda M Um, M actually. Oh, let me change that. M M. Yeah. Um, so those would be the best ways. Um, so they can contact me through those ways if they are interested in, um, um, in sessions or anything like that. Awesome. I have really enjoyed this. I feel I feel refreshed and renewed. <laughs> we were talking about how it has been a long week, but you have given a little breathed a little more life into into my day. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Huh. Well, you all, um, and of course, as we're talking about handles and everything, don't forget to, you know, like, subscribe, support Becoming Eva as well. We've got merch. Actually, we're, we were just talking about how we're rocking our uh, Women of Noble Character shirts. Okay, well, those are nice. Okay, so you can check those out on our website, becomingevatoday.com. Uh, and yeah, like, follow, subscribe, all those great things at Becoming Eva Today. And we... We yeah, we're here to support. So let us know how we can support you. Feel free to slide in the DMs if you got some suggestions. We're here for that too. So good stuff. Yes. And don't forget to join us next week for our season finale. Uh talk season finale, season seven. It will be a wrap. So join (laughs) us next Saturday. Yes. And we will see y'all next time. See you soon. See you soon. (laughs) Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Click subscribe on YouTube and subscribe to the podcast. Check us out at becomingevatoday.com or email us at becomingevatoday.com. See you next time.